I think we need to get across to people that this is a similar scale of magnitude as you know investment in massive transport infrastructure in this country you know investment in electrical uh, transmission infrastructure is is really key to how we how we live our lives in the 21st century hello and welcome to the connectology podcast here road night taylor's influential team of elite connection specialists and their expert guests help you to better understand distribution and transmission network connections and how to acquire them faster for less cost and at lower risk. Hello, I'm Pete Aston, a Road Knight Taylor connectologist, and I'm here to talk with Merlin Hyman of Regen and Catherine Cleary from Road Knight Taylor. Uh, and we're here to talk about the subject of Rio ED2 draft determinations. So it's great to have you both um, on, on the podcast. So thanks for coming. Thanks, Pete. So then, uh, Merlin, could you give us a brief introduction to uh, yourself and to the work of Regen? Yeah, thank, thanks, Pete. Um, uh, good to be here. Thanks, thanks for the invite. Um, so Regen's goal in life is uh, net zero energy transition. So independent, not-for-profit organisation. I'm the CEO and we do quite a wide range of, uh, of work, really just looking at anywhere where we feel there are challenges and barriers on that sort of pathway to net zero where we think we can kind of intervene, address those barriers. And that might range from problems on for people accessing the grid to I don't know lack of diversity in in the sector to the role of local players and local authorities uh, so a, a, a wide range of activities but all with that kind of golden thread that's about how do we get on that path to net zero energy super duper thanks Merlin and Catherine could you just give us a, a very brief intro to sort of the sort of work you do and your background as well. Yeah, cheers, Pete, and lovely to be here. Um, so I am another one of Road Knight Taylor's connectologists, um, and um, I look again at lots of sort of um, low carbon technologies connecting to the grid, sort of how we can get things connected faster, uh, more efficiently, and uh, loved Merlin's recent post on LinkedIn in response to Rio ED2 determinations, which is probably a little bit of a dry topic, but um, you know, I think quite quite an important one, right, Merlin? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as you say, not, well, yeah, not an easy one to sort of get away from, from jargon and on and, and get into. I mean, we've already slipped into Rio ED2, isn't it? It's already 99.9% of the population would have no idea what we're talking about already. So, uh, yeah, you can, you can, it's a, a really critical thing for all of us, but it, it quite quickly gets into complexity and, and detail which uh, makes it perhaps difficult to get to get the scale of progress and so maybe that's one thing that we could uh, touch on uh, by the way connectologist very good name well done presumably that comes from mixologist and you know, you're, you're some, is, is, and, is our, and our drinking problems yeah uh, uh, well i wasn't going to put it that way i was going <laughs> to say is there a bit of a kind of cocktail theme going on at road night Town? i think that makes it sound very sophisticated not just a sort of pint after work type crowd um i think one of the reasons uh, that i was asked to host this particular podcast was that um, uh, only 18 months ago or so I was working for Western Power Distribution uh, where I had the responsibility of pulling together part of the uh, ED2 business plan uh, mostly on the sort of network reinforcement side of things so I've got some background with it um, on that side um, so uh, and Catherine I know that you've had a little bit of involvement in, in business plans before do you want to just sort of let us know the sorts of things that you've been involved with before with business plans. 
Yeah, so I, I suppose um, going back a while now, the previous regulatory period, which was called ED1, um, uh, I helped uh, one of the DNOs prepare their business plan for that. And I suppose um, more holistically, I'm, I, I work quite a lot with local authority clients and uh, occasionally with central government as well, looking at sort of big picture questions about how we fund infrastructure. And I am, um, I'm, you know, I'm constantly reminded i think merlin sort of picked this up that you know we live in a world of, of jargon where you know ed1 ed2 means quite a lot to us and um, but it's a really small world that kind of grid world and it's not something that you'll ever see a bbc news report on um you know the kind of lack of investment in transmission infrastructure whereas you know we constantly see bbc news reports on investment in transport schemes you know hs2 or or, or maybe like road schemes so i think we we need to get across to people that this is a similar scale of magnitude as you know investment in massive transport infrastructure in this country you know investment in electrical uh, transmission infrastructure is is really key to how we how we live our lives in the 21st century so it's a it's a huge topic and and one that i think we just need to do, do a bit of a better job at breaking down for people okay thanks for that catherine i think opening out um the, the ED2 planning process is, is really important and actually getting everyone in the industry and sort of wider afield as well to, to understand this is, is very significant because there's billions of pounds of, of money at stake um, for, for development into the network. Um, so Merlin, just turning to you, um, I know Regen's involved in quite a lot of the business planning process in, in sort of various different ways. Can you sort of just give us an indication as to where where region has been involved in business planning yeah thanks pete i mean just just stepping back a bit and, and pick up on catherine's point about the importance i mean that the one one thing if you take everything that we need for net zero so renewable storage heat pumps ev chargers electrolyzers you know the one common feature of all of it is it's all got to connect to the grid um and probably a, might be not stretching a point say the one common feature of of all of those things is that there are challenges with connecting to the grid so if we think we've are really you know we've achieved a lot in the last few years particularly in renewables you know starting to see and things like electric vehicles but we're really just at the start of a kind of the net zero transition you know the, the amount of stuff that we're going to need over the next 10 15 20 years to, to kind of make this, this this journey and bring all the benefits to us of getting off you know uh, fossil fuels and uh, lower bills potentially all of those benefits you know, you know the, the grid is on the critical path uh, so there's there's various aspects to that grid you know with big little medium sort of scale stuff if I can put it in very non-technical terms but the the DNO the distribution network is increasingly critical as of course you you know also well as we get more decentralized electricity generation and as we use it in different ways at a you know to get ourselves around and to eat our homes as well as to power our devices uh, so that kind of led regen in its quest to facilitate the net zero journey into the question of, of, of grid and we've been really working on it for getting on for a decade now and slowly learning more and more and i guess uh, the you know, the, the, at the heart of what happens on the grid is not the only thing, but is the, the business planning process where the, the network operators say, this is what we think we need to do to 
to you know to, to have a have the grid that we all need the network we all need the sort of critical electrical infrastructure that's going to underpin our country so uh, 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 energy and prosperity indeed um and that and then take that 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 to off gym so uh we've participated in that process i was on wpd now inged uh, to keep up with the jargons um customer engagement group kind of scrutinizing the process as it went forward um but back before that quite a few years ago now it, it was regen and wpd that came up first with a process that's now called dfes distribution future energy scenarios uh and that was that was our kind of response really to the network operators saying to us well we we don't really know what's going to want to connect to our grid in the future, so we're not great at preparing for that. Uh, and and those, those scenarios are aimed to give the networks a really good set of data and different scenarios of what might want to connect to their, their network, when and where, and possibly how will it behave, so that they can they can start to kind of model what that will look like. And then they can go to Ofgem with plans and say, look, we've looked at what we need. This is where we invest. This is the money we're going to need need, need to do it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that, Merlin. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm sort of quite familiar with the, the the DFES process, having sort of worked with it. So you know, it's sort of, it's, it's been great to have in the past worked with the data that um, you know you and the, your team have provided, and then and then tried sort of moulding that into some sort of uh, business plan. Um, you know, and and it's 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 a, it's a massive task as well, isn't it? There, there's there is a lot of data in in the DFES. Uh, models. Um, so, um, sort of m moving on from uh, sort of Regen's general involvement, uh, the, the specific sort of events that have triggered this podcast, as it were, um, were uh, the your, your letter um, to to Ofgem. I think it was in August, um, uh, and then Ofgem's reply back to you in September, uh, and then your the, what Catherine mentioned, your recent LinkedIn post. Um, so, so that was in response to Ofgem sort of draft determinations, wasn't it? Which came out, uh, I think it was June of this year, following the the DNO um, uh, business plan submissions in December last year. So, can you just talk us through that and sort of just try and uh, tease out a little bit from that what what some of your concerns are around those draft determinations? Yeah, you know, we're we're only a few days away from the final determinations from sort of so a critical part of this this process. Um, and looking at the draft determinations and and, and what basically Ofgen's proposals for how much money the networks will have to, in, particularly in this case, to invest to enable all our EVs and heat pumps and new renewables and storage and all the rest of it to connect, um, does get a little bit uh, uh, kind of detailed and into that kind of DFES process or future energy scenario process. So. I think one one big problem with this process was that Ofgen didn't set out like what what world to plan for. You know, we know we're in a world of transformation. So in the in the past we had fairly steady state. You know, energy, electricity world, bit of change, but we're in a world of massive transformation. So that's a different. So when you're putting out a five year plan, what what do you invest against? Uh, Ofgen didn't provide really any guidance from that, and so the networks all came up with their own their own kind of best view or they chose a particular world scenario from the future energy scenarios. Um, and what Ofgem then, when they did the draft determinations, came out and said, no, no, we want you all to work to system transformation, where, um, which, uh, and that's going to be your baseline. 
Now, system transformation is a very top-down scenario. I don't think it's a very credible scenario for the future. It's a scenario that, when it was done, didn't meet our kind of carbon 2035 carbon budget targets, net zero power by 2035, didn't meet the government's targets for 600,000 heat pumps. You know, it's a, it's a world of lots of hydrogen and big top-down world, not a kind of con, a consumer-led, much you know, decentralized world, which I think most people think is 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 much more real. Yeah, is more likely. Uh, thank you, Catherine. So that's the um, that so that what in what Ofgemma essentially doing then is saying to everyone, well, your baseline, your plan, the plan which you really you know you you sort of base your company size and and supply chains on is to fail, is the UK fails to hit some of its key net zero targets. Um, now, the, the off would say, OK, but we have what they call, more jargon, uncertainty mechanisms. If we get more EVs, more heat pumps, more things than we expected, you can ratchet up investment. Uh, I don't know what you guys think, but that seems to me to be a, a risky way of planning the critical infrastructure. Let's just remember again, this is the critical infrastructure for Britain's net zero journey, for getting off fossil fuels, for you know tackling high bills. And we're basing, and we're not, you know, we're basing the, the baseline investment is a, is this kind of fail to do that. And we're relying on these uncertainty mechanisms. Which were probably never designed for that level of, of potential uplift, right, Merlin? So, I mean, you know, I think uncertainty mechanisms in the past were perhaps, you know, where you had um, development proposals, you know, a new town that you were expecting to come along that didn't come along, but perhaps something else came along, you know, up the road and, and very sort of localised changes, not whole sea changes to the level of technology uptake, you know, of, of, of solar PV or of, of heat pumps, as you say. So, you know, potentially often we're making a lot of work for themselves in the future by 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 kind of opening the door to having to assess huge levels of um, uh you know of, of future applications for additional funding the idea that we have we have to have you know uh, officials sitting somewhere assessing you know investment proposals you know it's just complete it is 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 strikes me as unworkable you know we know where we're going so this investment is going to have to happen in the next few years one way or the other there's a question of whether it happened now or a little bit you know in a few years time the scale of investment well, do, do you think that? How much do you think that is a sort of political strategy? Because I, I, I often look at the news and slightly despair and think we, you know, someone seems to have given off Jim a remit to not. Yeah, well, <laughs> it feels like perhaps sometimes that you know that the 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 big buzzwords that are there about decarbonisation, but in the detail we are still looking at the pennies and we are forgetting about the pounds, and and so we are saying. Yeah, let's scrimp and save and, and absolutely not build anything unless we have a, a completely robust needs case for it in terms of investing infrastructure. Uh, but the cost to that to the country seems to me to be, you know, a real risk that we are delaying deploying the technologies which give us clean, cheap energy. Well, I think that's right. I mean, I'd, I'd just like to say that we don't I don't want to let, you know, DNOs off the hook. I know Pete used to used to work for them and know and love them. And I, I work with them a lot. And there's some great people but you know it is their responsibility to manage their network and to deliver the requirements we all need and they they shouldn't just be asking for more money they should be innovating getting more efficient and off gem as the regulator you know should be holding their feet to the fire and i think we'd all agree with that but you can't you know move the whole uh, energy you know chain for transport to take an example from oil tankers through the straits of hormuz into refineries through petrol stations shift all of that energy transfer 
into the electricity network without some investment. I mean, that just doesn't, that's clearly do, doesn't make sense. So I, I think you're right. Ofgem's traditional remit is to keep con- their bit of customer bills down. And that's what they focus on. And the fact that by keeping their bit of customer bills down, i.e. the network bit, perhaps saving us all two quid, three quid, five quid a year on our bills, you know, that kind of magnitude we're talking about, you know, real money definitely shouldn't, let's take it all seriously. But the fact that by doing that, they're blocking us from addressing a problem that's causing our bills to go up by thousands a year. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. So that I think, is an issue where we need central government and they're supposed to have been doing this for years to set out the kind of strategic uh, plan for Ofgem as to what it's meant to deliver and give it a much clearer net zero remit so it can then uh, you know adjust and think more holistically rather than just obsessing if I can put it pejoratively about it it's few quid yeah and with your sort of the conversations you're having Merlin with with Ofgem and others do you do you see any movement towards that change for Ofgem coming uh, or is it still quite some distance into the future? I think part of the problem is that you know we were in such a challenging position that with supplier and supplier failures and bills going up that Ofgem's and risks of winter blackouts that Ofgem's kind of bandwidth think differently and strategically is uh, is is limited because you know what it used to do was far was was all sensible when we didn't have a world of massive transformation it was there to protect us all from from you know uh, from monopoly utilities making too much money uh when uh so yeah i think if you listen to what they say now and uh, and jonathan Braley's statements uh, uh, you know that they they're definitely at a senior level of have a you know have have a better understanding of their role in in net zero I think there's a long way for them to go to really operationalize that and it's and I think it does need that statement from from central government from from Bayes to give them the really clear ministerial steer as to as to the kind of you know the the the, the you know what what they should really be be focusing on I I fear not much is going to happen until after this winter given the kind of current current crisis Presumably as well, until we, we get those final determinations, right? You know, I think that there, we've seen before to previous, the last transmission uh, set of, um, of, of of kind of funding arrangements were severely and, and legally contested. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think we could expect there to be significant pushbacks from the networks if they do get a really, you know, downgraded package of funds. If you're liking this podcast so far, you may want to pop over to the Connectology page on Road Knight Taylor's website and sign up to the Connectology newsletter for much more know-how, insight and thought leadership in electricity network connections. The link to this is in the description. Don't miss out on any of the articles, explainers, videos, webinars and podcasts that Road Knight Taylor's Connectologists share to give you an edge and help you overcome your grid frustrations. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the appetite of the of the DNOs is to to do that sort of thing. Um, I suppose it depends on the uh, the extent to which they they don't get what they asked for. Because um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think the sort of average reduction in uh, in the the draft determinations was around about the twenty percent mark, wasn't it? In terms of uh, draft determinations versus what they'd uh, applied for. Well, the, the one I was closest to WPD. Engage was, I believe, twenty percent uh, 
Yes. And I, and just, just another kind of wrinkle in that part, partly the DNO's role here is providing critical infrastructure to localities to kind of meet their, you know, our great cities, our regions that are supposed to be powering our economic growth of the future to meet their goals in, in life. And by saying plan for system transformation as a sort of set scenario, rather than take account of what, I don't know, Manchester or Liverpool or Bristol or Newcastle, you know, actually, or Glasgow or whatever, you know, all actually are aiming to do, what 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 they're thinking is you're 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 having a sort of centralized bureaucracy basically you know ignore the democratic wishes of 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 the great you know regions and cities of of the uk which i just don't think is a is a tenable position so uh yeah it, it significant cuts on, on the level of on the level of investment um as i said i think we just need to keep repeating all this this is not about you know just handing out money to to DNOs or any other utility, absolutely they need, and, and I'm sure they would agree, they need clear regulation and, and you know tight controls on, on what they're they're doing. But they, you know, we are going to have to invest in the network to to enable the, the scale of transformation we all want. You know, and if if in 2025 someone's bought an EV and have been told by the government to buy an EV and then they get you know try and plug it in and and it says, oh, sorry, you can't charge for a you know, I mean, that's just not going to work, you know, maybe occasionally, but, uh, you know, people are, what, what are you talking about? This was the whole idea. You told me to do this. Now I can't charge it. You know, what, what have you been asleep at the wheel? And I really do fear that what, what we'll find in a few years is often we'll be going, well, well, everyone should be thanking me because I saved you all five quid on a, on your bill. And everyone will be going, well, no, I'm not thanking you because I can't charge my EV, actually. Yeah, and I'm not allowed to install a heat pump. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I think we should also point out you know, that, that, that we, um, we we see, you know, probably the reason that, that the three of us feel quite passionately about this is because we do see up close the reality of when those kind of long-term forecasts don't meet with with what actually happens. And it can be quite painful when you end up in a situation where we're sort of sitting around thinking, God, this is a grid group which is, you know, absolutely past breaking point. And why didn't someone take the sensible investment decision four years ago, to, you know, to perhaps even just build it so that there was room to install an additional transformer or, you know, or, or, or do a kind of a bigger strategic investment reinforcement piece rather than the kind of little bits around the edges. And and when those sort of investment decisions uh are made badly you know we end up picking up the pieces so i think there have been several uh, cases uh, that road knight taylor have been involved in the uh, sort of working with local authorities exactly in there um in, in Merlin in terms of uh, local needs so particular kind of growth towns um, maybe like areas where they're, they're undertaking like really significant kind of low carbon uh, activities but also new housing growth you know we're seeing areas which really should have had forecast uh, demand back in ED you know the, the previous regulatory period in ED1 um, that that grid progress hasn't come forward and we've ended up with situations where you cannot build houses you cannot build new commercial infrastructure um, because of the grid constraint and and the government in response to that is you know is up in arms about the west london grid constraints um, about some of the east anglia grid constraints you know and they are they are having to basically hand out money anyway to the dnos you know they're having to say okay you know here's a here's a particular new development that cannot access uh, the grid and that's delaying the, the the deployment of new homes and therefore 
you know, Homes England are funding grid works, you know, to facilitate uh, local local authorities actually meeting their housing targets. So you've got people writing checks to the likes of, of UKPN to solve those problems, and they're doing it outside that regulatory framework. So when the regulatory framework is penny pinching, I think, you know, we all suffer. And ultimately, potentially, the DNO still gets a check at the end of the day, but it doesn't happen through the right process. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be... I'd be interested in a moment in, in Pete's experience of, of the kind of decision making when he was inside DNOs and how the kind of framework influenced that. But it's, it's worth worth saying that, you know, that this, because I know some people on, you know, on the call will be involved in smart solutions and flex and, uh, and that that's absolutely part of this, you know, managing the asset better, uh, being much, understanding much better what's actually going on, coming up with smart, flexible approaches you know there's definitely lots of mileage in that we're starting to see it happen across the country we've been you know in part part of that and that that's great but you know we're, we're at a point of transformation where you can't just do it through being clever and smart you know you you do also need more more copper and more more, more kit and we're going to need you know both of those so again this isn't about it's all about assets and not not smart stuff it's it's, it's about it's about both uh, but yeah, but Pete, just throwing that question back at back at you. You know what? You, you're you're there in a DNO a, a, a couple of years ago, and there's a kind of do, how much do we put into this scheme? How big do we make it, or do we just you know what, what's the kind of mindset? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think um, the, the 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 mindset is it's it is very very tied to to what you can do is is ultimately very tied to the business plan. Um, and to the rules. So, um, so for example, th there were plenty of scenarios where you could see in, in certain parts of the network um, that if you could invest strategically ahead of need, it was quite obvious that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a stranded asset. It was going to be used um, by by multiple parties, you know, potentially for demand and generation, um, and, and yet you couldn't invest ahead of need because um and unless it was a immediate problem that you you could measure and uh, you know so is, is the you know is the demand over the rating of the assets in this particular place right now or next year no oh, well therefore there's there's no immediate you know you can't justify a you know uh, a sort of financial spend request to to do that um and, and i think it was very frustrating actually sort of it did feel quite regularly your hands were tied because um you, you had to either wait for a problem to materialize or wait for a customer to come along to trigger some reinforcement which um in a lot of the cases customers couldn't afford it uh, and simply wouldn't trigger that reinforcement because it was so expensive um so so yeah i i think there were lots of times when the rules prevented the DNOs from acting strategically, uh, and, and you then see the DNOs just doing the the very short term solution to solve uh, one problem. Like I can do a little bit of reinforcement here to connect this customer, but actually it would have been far better to have done a bigger, better solution uh, on a more strategic level. Uh, so yeah, highly frustrating, I think. Have any of us, Catherine, have any of us here ever come? Well, you would know much better than I, both of you, but. Come across a stranded grid asset? Do they? Do these exist? I bet we seem to worry a lot about them. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I think is the the short answer. I would say, um, yeah, Pete. 
Well, I don't think so. I mean, if 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 you think back to when the the grid was first built in the you know fifties and sixties, it was built for demand, and you know it was built strategically to to supply places that were going to be growing uh, population centres, and and that they were they were um, planning on you know five ten percent you know per annum growths uh, you know in terms of electricity distribution growth so so they, they invested very heavily in network capacity uh that that were actually still just you know just finishing using so you know it it wasn't potentially used immediately but it was clearly always going to be used and of course that that investment in the early grid didn't even think about uh embedded generation um, so there was a whole heap of capacity inherently created in the network that um, embedded generation has used, um, and, uh, and and that's been uh, brilliant. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I think uh, stranded assets are probably very unlikely. No, no white elephants. No. I think maybe we should coin a term of, of black elephants. <laughs> you know, I think there are that we have the opposite, don't we? We have we have assets which are full before they're built. Right. Yeah. You right. Know, and and that that's a that that is the example when you know you should have invested earlier. Um, things where, where you you spend years building a needs case, and by the time you've you've got the permission to invest, you know you've already delayed people by five, six, seven years, you know, and you've got an asset which is going to be full on on day one of energization. Um, I think I think those are the cases we perhaps need to perhaps you know we, we, we Ofgem do lots of holding DNOs to account. I think we need to hold Ofgem to account where where they have made funding decisions which which are delaying that deployment. Do we we've um uh, we're all uh, enjoying having a a go off gem and uh or, or holding off gem to account which i think you know i fully agree with but one thing they have done i'm interested again in your 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 views is change the the rules for connecting and, and who pays and particularly for demand so that i think you'll you'll correct me if i'm wrong but from the first of april uh unless you really you trigger a, a high cost threshold then any reinforcement costs that a new demand connection can causes a pick a socialized picked up by the dno covered within the business plan costs uh so will that trigger a more strategic approach now or or, or is it going to trigger a kind of let's just just delay essentially we'll just wait and see do you, do you want to answer that on catherine well i think first. i think it's really key that the the timing so absolutely agree it was quite a kind of bold step and a you know really interesting move and um i i think it's a good strategy going forwards but the timing is really interesting because um, when the the DNOs were preparing their business plans, you know, Pete, when you were preparing your business plan, you know, this this was this wasn't even a sort of glimmer on the horizon, was it? No, 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 no. So I think the well, well, I think towards the end of the business planning process, a significant code review was, you know, had started to become a thing. But of course, you you couldn't really plan around it because you didn't know what it was going to look like. So, so yeah, there has been a bit of a timing issue there, I think, with the publication of the significant code review and the draft determinations. I think the DNOs have had to do a lot of scrabbling around uh, this year to sort of re rehash plans to, to try and fit in with what the significant code review will look like. I, I think the significant code review is going to help DNOs make some more strategic decisions, into, especially in terms of demand-led connections. So I do think that's, you know, really really very valuable. Um, uh, I think our time is probably coming towards a close. Uh, Marilyn, I was going to ask you, we've, we've talked about um, some of the issues with the, the, the way some of the, the determinations and ED2 process has gone. If, uh, if there was an ideal scenario, what do you think it would look like in terms of 
allowing DNAs to invest? Would they have absolute carte blanche to do whatever they like, or you know, or just um, you know, just just interested to sort of gauge what you think would be uh, potentially a, a best outcome for EDT? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the the boat has sailed a little bit for for EDT too. Um, but uh, we're actually been working on a paper and, and thinking about you know the the value inherent in our electricity networks and how we can sort of unlock more of it, but, you know, so it's critical national infrastructure and giving this a bit of a bit of thought. I think the the first thing I think I would say is that the uh, that we should have the uh, and probably an independent uh, number that's not neither the DNO nor nor Ofgem, which is the requirement, and I think that should. You know, needs to be sourced by more of some sort of collation of local ambition matched up with some kind of national framework. Uh, maybe some uh, Ofgem have been thinking about this, I and mean, maybe some sort of regional uh, plan. So the DNO should have a clear kind of requirements plan. This is what you know. This is what we, this locality, given the overall UK energy strategy within that context, uh, are aiming for, and we want our your the infrastructure to enable us to do that. Okay, and then it's your job, the DNO, to come out with the best way of delivering that. It might be, you know, the right mix of smart and infrastructure investment and etc. Et, et uh, then the off-gems, you know, should be there as the the regulator, making sure that DNOs are doing this efficiently. You know, their returns are reasonable and holding their feet to the fire. So I think it's, you know, off shouldn't should have either DNO or Ofgem should have any role in defining what the requirement is. And with the whole process of uh, of DFES and more planning at an energy planning in a local area, I think we're getting the, the you know the the idea that we don't know what we're planning for anymore is 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 you know most of it we do know. We know how many EVs we can have, you know, we know heat pumps, you know, some questions there. But we have some pretty good idea of 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 the journey to net net zero. So I think that that that's the kind of critical uh, uh, change for me. I think there's also some, some clearly, if we think of particularly you know bigger stuff, there's there's some issues around the whole connection process that we've all we're all becoming very familiar with and link and problems up on the transmission network leading to 2038 delivery dates for people to connect and uh, which which seems a bit crazy. But uh, so you know there's there's a lot of big bigger problems. But yeah, at, at the 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 uh, business plan place that 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 structure i think is is what we need to look for that's absolutely fantastic i think that's a great place for us to sort of draw to a close um i'm not sure we've solved every issue to do with ed2 pretty much Pete. <laughs> so anyway thank you catherine so much and merlin as well for for joining me on the podcast today hope that uh, you've enjoyed listening and we hope you'll join us for a our next episode thanks very much Pete. thanks Pete. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Connectology podcast. If you found it helpful, please share it with any of your colleagues or connections you think may be interested. And please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your content. You can find out more about our services at roadnighttaylor.co.uk, link in the description, where you can also sign up to our free Connectology newsletter for more news and thought leadership in network connections. If, during this podcast, you found yourself wondering what it would be like to have a Road Knight Taylor connectologist in your life, please do email laura at roadnighttaylor.co.uk to find out how their game-changing skills and insight can change the game for you too. 